Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Movie Mastery. It's the podcast where we watch the movies you suggest, we have no control over it. I'm John, and with me, as always, my co-host Jeff. Say hello to everyone. Hello to everyone. Ah, yes. The oldest of gags. Could there be an older one? Maybe. I don't know. I think that was actually what prostitutes did before they sold their bodies, was they did the... Say say hello, Gracie joke. Yeah, that's, that's what happened. Yeah. And then the they were like, thing. you know what's easier than that and less demeaning? <laughs> so, this week we have a movie by uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Well, not by. Starring Shaquille <laughs> No, it was also by Shaquille O'Neal. Written O'Neil. and directed by Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, Steel. And that was suggested by Greg H. Yeah. So, we have watched the trailer... And we are here to tell you what we think we are in for. Okay, so right off the bat, we are in for Judd Nelson looking so much like Dan Aykroyd that it hurts a little. (laughs) Just a little. It's weird how much he looks like Dan Aykroyd. He's got, like, skunk eyes and Dan Aykroyd hair. And I don't really know how to describe that exactly other than business spikes. Yeah, he has... He basically just has a Ghostbusters-era Aykroyd look to him. Yeah. He's like... I'm a little pudgy, I'm kind of spiky, but I'm mostly business. Yeah, he has that look of like, I was more famous once. Yeah, like, hey everyone, I'm going to come out with some sort of alcohol soon that you can get. <laughs> Perhaps it'll be in something reminiscent of the Breakfast Club so that you feel like buying it from me. It'll be vodka sold out of a crystal pack of smokes yeah that's exactly what i was thinking right well that's the only relevant thing that judd nelson's character said during the breakfast club as far as i'm aware oh yeah something about his dad making him smoke right because i honestly i haven't seen it so well i mean that or you can have a crystal naked lady with a poodle under one arm and a salami under the other wow that's that's a complicated thing yeah well it's the only it's the joke he is telling while he's in the air ducts and he doesn't get to finish the joke. No, that sounds like the sort of thing in a movie where you have a, a overcomplicated setup for a joke and a punchline that will never arrive. Yes. It's funny how you can tell that those are about to happen. Like you can tell, <laughs> oh, th- those are like spoiler alerts built into the movie when someone's <laughs> like, "So anyway, Dr. Frankenstein says to the seven assembled members of Congress, "Oh shoot, a monster." Yeah. There's just no way it doesn't happen. Well, I mean, that is something Dr. Frankenstein might say to seven members of Congress. Oh, (laughs) shoot, a monster. (laughs) Okay, so what else do we see in the trailer? Uh, So the trailer is... God, it feels... It's pretty dire. It feels real of that, like, Batman and Robin or, like, Batman Forever... uh, It's very Schumacher feeling. It is. It's very campy, very... Very much in the flavor of, oh, we're afraid to put real superhero movies out. Because that was the thing for a long time. They were like, well, these Schumacher Batman movies are literally the only superhero movies that work. Apparently. People will go to see them for some reason. Yeah, it was it was a weird time for movies that were superhero-based. Which is mostly just Batman and a couple weird outliers. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, they're only movies that came out in the mid-90s that were outliers to the uh, Batman franchise. It's like... That's when Spawn and Blade started. Yeah, so you get a few, but even then, you're like, okay, you either were Batman or a weird property, because it felt like nobody wanted to take the risk on it. Oh, yeah. No, no one did. No one was, would dare touch anything but Batman. Batman, you could make one every three years, and every three years it got a little gayer. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> a little. And then you got Steel, which is... Already, it angers me because I know the character of Steel that it is based on. Right. Steel is a Superman-adjacent superhero. He appeared during the Death of Superman arc. And he's he's Black Iron Man is basically what he is. Yeah, he's self-built Black Iron Man with a little less of the smarmy tech genius and a little more of the neighborhood, like, community organizer vibe to him. Well, he's... Feels very much like someone took Iron Man and blaxploitationed him out. Yeah, or Iron Man and stuck, like, Jon Stewart, the Green Lantern, in there. Yeah, so it's... the it, It'd be like seeing Iron Man, but some celebrity, like, if Robert Downey Jr. went, Look, I want to play Iron Man, but I want you to see my face when I'm Iron Man. And that's what pisses me off. Yeah, that that's... you see the lower half of his face and his eyes... And I think in one scene where he's, like, giving that uh-uh-uh finger wag, 
He doesn't even have fully enclosed gloves. No, he just has the tops of gloves. Because oh, the tops God. of his hands are covered. And that's the thing. There was a, a big thing before they even made the first Spider-Man movie where they were saying, how are you possibly going to make Spider-Man when you can't see the actor's face? Like, actors will not do roles. Like, uh, le- uh, lead actors will not do roles where you can't see their faces. And that kind of fell apart. You know, we, we now know that the, the way it happened in the first Spider-Man movie and in every Batman movie and in this movie is that they either give you a half mask or you just take your mask off all the goddamn time. Oh, yeah. Like, it it feels like they're less bad about it now but there was a time when they first started getting into those first spider-mans and the batmans and so on where it was just like oh what's going on someone needs to talk to me whoop there goes my mask well yeah especially in the michael keaton batman 89 i I swear that mask had a perforated rim around the neckline because he could just tear it (laughs) off in a moment's notice it was like tissue paper i feel like he had those masks in the bat cave like in one of those dispensers that gives you the thing you put on a toilet seat Oh, yeah. He was just like, oh, need another mask, fresh mask. Someone, uh, I, I was introduced to a girl. Uh, I need a new mask. I need to pull up and then down, and then my mask will come out of this little dispenser. Yeah. A- anyway, the other things that we saw in this trailer, uh, a lot of laser weaponry. The villain is very clearly just going to be some businessman, because that's another thing with late 90s. Oh, yeah. You didn't get one of your villains from the actual, like, series. It was just, what is this? Oh, we decided that in a rail against the 80s, Every villain is going to be corporate man because we hated the 80s and, and their corporateness. And this lasted a while. Like, if you think about it, you remember who the villain of the Catwoman movie is? No, because why would I watch that? The villain of the Catwoman movie is a woman who owns a makeup company. Nice. Oh, yeah. It's like, and that's been the case for a while, that, like, like female superheroes have to fight, like, evil witches or the owners of cosmetics companies. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's the thing. Like, Catwoman, you could pick your, you, you have your choice of oh, so many Batman villains you could have her fight. Yeah, and she's got a few of her own deals that she could go after. Yeah, I mean, you could just do the whole Poison Ivy thing. You could do Hugo Strange if you wanted to do one where he didn't need a lot of special effects. Or the best thing you could do, which is make a Catwoman heist movie, which is exactly what it should be because she's a fucking burglar. Yeah, that'd be fine, but instead we get... God, I can't remember who plays it. It's it's uh, Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone as the owner of an evil cosmetics company. <laughs> I like that the company is evil and not just her. Like, they make evil cosmetics. And I can tell you, the worst thing about that is that there's already a Batman villain that's based out of an evil cosmetics company. That's what Clayface was. (laughs) Uh, It's true. So you spend the whole time going, oh, is this going to be the Clayface origin story? Is that what's going to happen here? Are we going to get Lady Clayface? No, we just get an angry, evil woman who owns a cosmetics company. Yeah, if you got, like, Joan Daggett, and then she was like, oh, I'm Clayface now. Okay, sure, fine. Yeah, we didn't get that. Uh, But anyway, so in Steel, evil businessman. Predictions uh, for this movie? I already called one. I I said it right away. That Richard Roundtree is in this, which means he's going to make a Shaft joke. Yeah, and I'm going to go ahead and say, because I've seen two other Shaq films, there will be, I can't shoot a basketball jokes. Yeah, there's going to have to be some of those. I I bet that there has to be also, one, he can't shoot, and two, he has to dunk someone. Yeah. Like, he's going to take a villain and just, like, dunk him through a window or something. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to happen. I'm going to make another general prediction that this is going to be one of those superhero movie like a hulk hogan style movie where the main character has no flaws (laughs) well anytime you got one of those hero movies where they the actor was like nope you have to be able to see my face the whole time it was also like also i can't be bad in any way i have to be super good at everything yeah anytime i open my mouth it's to say positive messages that resonate with today's youth yeah well especially with sports icons yeah they had to do that yeah that was just straight up the only thing they were allowed to do for decades so I assume we're going to get that. I also, I feel like this is going to be, I, this isn't really a prediction. I just feel like this is going to be really dire because the jokes they used for the trailer were awful. Oh, there, yeah. There was a scene in that where the there's a woman in a wheelchair in there. Yeah. Which, by the way, there's a scene of him picking up the wheelchair and carrying it off. So I'm hoping for some officer and a gentleman type situation that, that, <laughs> that explains that. But there's a line where she turns on a magnet in his suit and then she goes, I always knew you had a magnetic personality. Yeah. And like, if that's the joke you pull for the trailer, this is going to be dire. Yeah. I, I can't imagine that any of the, uh, dialogue in this is going to be remotely decent. Right. Well, anyway, we should probably go watch the film. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have to. All right. So we will be back having watched Steel. Oh, steal yourself. That's when you start to feel the power. And you know, the growing strong about it. 
say it's better not to get involved. And we are back. We have we have seen steel, and it is it is everything that we thought it would be. <laughs> it is extremely dire. And I had a weird new complaint that I did not expect I would ever have about a, a superhero movie, a steel movie in particular. Yep. The hammer is a gun. That is so annoying. Like, okay, there are two things that piss me off. After watching the trailer, I was like, okay, I'm already mad that you made his steel outfit not have an actual full body suit, but that's fine. I understand. An, no S on the chest, not a full body suit. And it you was can a different see the, era. You can see the cheeks of his hel- his metal helmet move when he talks. That's how cheap this is. He's wearing a rubber Halloween mask. But what pissed me off even more than that was, one, the hammer never gets used as a hammer. Not once. Not even a single time. It is always used as a weird gun. Yeah, it's a rifle. Yeah. He'll use, and he uses two different things, but... uh, We'll get into that. The other thing that pissed me off more than anything is he doesn't fly. And I realized this in the trailer. There was a point where he uses a grappling hook. And I thought, that's weird, but maybe it was before he gave it the ability to fly, because the whole point of Steel was, I am a Superman replacement. Superman's iconic things are being strong, having lasers, and flight. But could all four of the the Death of Superman replacements fly? I feel like the one in the black suit couldn't. Uh, They could all fly, I think. I think Eradicator could fly, yeah. He was just a Superman robot. Okay, great. So, yeah. All right, well... Anyway, yeah, he couldn't fly, which was disappointing, but I assume it's because... Imagine the special effects if he was flying around in this. Oh, yeah. And it would just be real horrible green screen. Just oh, the it, worst. Yeah, it'd be that thing where you can see his feet are clearly on the ground and the front half of him is... Or top half of him is bent forward at a 30-degree angle, and he's like, yay! Yeah, I don't know if like you've Puma ever Puma seen Man. Kazam. Yeah, or Kazam, or Puma Man, or uh, what's the greatest American hero-style flying effects. Yeah, just... Real, real bad. So we didn't get that, thankfully. But, you know, on the other hand, no S on his chest. No, the only mention of Superman in this film is that he has a Superman tattoo. And they, they mention like, oh, you're the man of steel, a herfa derfa do. And they mention Batman. And again, in the trailer, they mentioned the Bat Cave. Yeah, the Bat Cave. There's game. a Batman Forever arcade game. Yeah, we looked that up. That's a real arcade game. Yeah. I was way more interested in that than I was in whatever the hell was going on <laughs> on screen. I was like, ooh, a Batman Forever arcade game. Let's read about that. But, so there's mentions to DC properties, but this is a universe where apparently Batman Forever is a movie that exists, which means Batman shouldn't exist. Yeah. And Superman, I guess, is just a comic because he has a tattoo of it, Well, he but might there's ex- no mention of it. Yeah, he might. Superman might exist, but uh, he's definitely not called the Man of Steel, because Steel is the Man of Steel instead. <laughs> So let's get back to basics here. Let's start from the beginning. The beginning of this movie opens with Shaquille O'Neal as an army engineer who's developing super weapons for the army. Yeah, so we the first one we see is some... It, I mean, it's supposed to be, I think, a plasma-based weapon, but it's, it's Roman, pretty much just Roman candles. It's a gun that shoots Roman candles. Good, and, good and job. It, and it shows him shooting four of them at this tank, and then the guys come out of the tank because they're too hot to be in the tank. Oh, they're like, you oh! melted the top of the, our tank! Our tank's all... And you can see, the, t- the tank gets like CGI red glow for a second when it gets shot with these things. And then all these guys come out, and they're like, oh, my butts are burning from these the, the heat of these guns! Oh my, you certainly wrecked our tank with that! And you're like, okay... All so right. this is a gun that can blow up a tank. Sort it's of. Good. It's a it's a gun that can drive the contents of a tank out of the tank well, without damaging the tank because yeah, the tank no, is it, still just sitting there. It melted the top of the tank. It was it was doing that. All right, fair enough. But then, then we get the other weapon, which is a sonic weapon, where we find out that Shaquille O'Neal likes sonic weapons because it'll just stun people and they'll like pass out for a few hours, and I won't have to kill them because I'm against killing, even though I am in the army. I am against all death. He's an army weapons designer, and he hates death and won't, doesn't want to kill people. Which is, you know, that's a good quality for an army weapons designer to have, I, I guess. Yeah. But uh, anyway, it starts off one of my predictions, which is that uh, Shaquille O'Neal can do no wrong and is, like, literally cannot have a line that reveals any kind of character flaw or anything. Yeah, no, he will spend this entire movie being like, I don't like death, and I like helping kids, and I like my grandma. If there's one thing I can't stand, it's bullies. That kind of stuff. That's all he does all the way through the film. So it's just, it, oh, it's just interminable. So then Judd Nelson is yeah. someone else on the project who... He's he's obviously, from the very beginning, he is the unscrupulous evil army weapons developer. Yeah, which he's like, again, oh, I'm, I'm here to try and get this 
like, congresswoman to fund my project for evil, nefarious death weapons. Right, except he's an army engineer weapons designer. If he builds nefarious death weapons, he's going to get a promotion anyway. Well, uh, the problem is, what does he care about trying to be like, oh, I want I want to impress this congresswoman. I'm like, who cares? Anything you make, it's not like you own and can then sell to the congresswoman. It is the property of the U.S. Army. Get fucked. Yeah, it doesn't... It, his character is ill-defined, nebulous evil. And yeah, we, he seems to just want to make weapons for the sake of making evil weapons. Yeah, and then I guess he has a plan to get out of the military and sell them as super weapons to the highest bidder, like right from the beginning. We also get introduced to uh, Shaquille O'Neal's friend. Sparks, a, a woman army engineer weapons designer who uh, is an expert in some kind of computer technology or something. We don't yeah, it's know. it's like she's the electrical engineer and he's the practical engineer. Yeah, we can't, the occasional hint they give us is that he's a metallurgist and she's an electrical engineer, but they can both just do whatever. Yeah, it's whatever the scene needs. Yeah, so anyway, Sparks is there. Uh, Judd Nelson tricks the, the army commander into letting Judd Nelson fire the gun Which instead he- of Shaq. Turns it all the way up. It's supposed to be a normal test, but he goes past the tested parameters and it blows up the house they shoot at and then also somehow feedbacks into them. And and knocks over the house that they are standing in, which kills the congresswoman and paralyzes Sparks from the waist down. Yeah. So that's that's your setup. And then that leads to Shaquille O'Neal or John Henry, because at least they gave him like the actual name of the character. Yeah, he does. He is... Full on John Henry Irons. It's not yeah. just them sort of being cute and be like, oh, we're kind of making a steel movie. Oh no, they went everything. I'm surprised they didn't name him Henry Iron Johns or something like that. Just, <laughs> just to be like, you know what? We, we are so terrified of anyone thinking that this is a comic book movie that we're just going to strip any reference to DC out of here. And the weird thing is the plot is actually from like Steel's first plot. A little which bit. Which is that yeah. he made a bunch of weapons and then it got stolen and distributed. Yeah. It's, well, there was also basically an Iron Man plot that was someone got the uh, Iron Man schematics and then he's got to destroy all of those. Yeah. But it's it's that same sort of, oh, I made a weapon and I'm going to make it for good. Oh, no, evil people use my weapon. I got to stop that weapon. Right. So anyway, Shaquille O'Neal goes home and he goes walking through his neighborhood, which is one of them colorful backlot style urban neighborhoods you saw in 90s movies where there's a bunch of like central casting uh, gang members with ridiculous outfits on and little kids with bright colored t-shirts riding bikes. Yeah. Guys standing in barbershop doors. You can tell that this is sort of a rundown neighborhood because these kids are on skateboards. Yeah. And he's, of course, Shaq knows everyone in town. Well, yeah. That's that's he's standard. Gonna, that's... He's going to talk to everybody. But honestly, if Shaquille O'Neal is from your town, you're probably going to know him. Not even if he became a famous basketball player, but you'd be like, oh yeah, that's the giant motherfucker that lives in my town. Yeah, it's the giant motherfucker with a speech impediment. Yeah. I sure hope he gets famous. <laughs> I sure hope he has some sort of skill he can use. <laughs> and of course, right away in this scene, people are playing basketball and it bounces over to him and he tries to make a shot and it bounces off. The weird thing is that it bounces off the rim. It's a reasonably good attempt at sinking a three-point throw. I'm so, I mean, again, they can't let him have any real failures. If he had thrown the thing and just fucking, like, airballed and just broken a window or something, that would have been funny. But instead, it's like, I got real close to a three-pointer, but I'm not as good as I thought I was. Well, no, it's always just the big thing with Shaq is he can't make free throws. Yeah. And he always bricks them, so it's every time it does that, he has to brick shooting something. Yeah. So, anyway, that happens, and then he gets to his grandma's house, who is shushing him because she has a souffle in the oven, which... I don't think I've seen the, oh my god, my souffle joke since, like, cartoons from the 40s. Oh yeah, that is such an old gag. Do you think anyone even got it in 1997 when this came out? Where They, they were like, what the fuck is a souffle? How, why do you have to be quiet? What's happening? Yeah, but apparently that's what they decided to go with. Yeah. And we find out that his grandma is trying to do a blend of, like, southern soul cooking mixed with French like, high cuisine. Haute cuisine, right. So that's all we're going to get out of her, is her just kind of occasionally popping up and saying things like, Ooh, I like that steel fella. He seems like a right good hero. And then and then also, who wants some crawfish etouffee mac and cheese a l'orange? <laughs> Homin- yeah. Hominy souffle. Yep, that's it. We get a grit souffle. Yeah, I, it, you know, she's a fine character. It doesn't matter. She's 
She's the the grandma who knows more than she's letting on type. She's fine. She's yeah, like Aunt she, May. Yeah, she's an Aunt May. That's and fine. We get a little nephew or something of uh, of Shax, who is a boy who is being pressured by local gangs. Yeah, they Although keep a, messing it, with him. It's and, a dead end. Yeah, well, we never see the gangs mess with him. We never understand why. Like, there's no, oh, they keep pressuring him to do something, or... They're pissed off at him because he won't do something or yeah. whatever. He's it's literally, just gangs are messing with him. And we don't ever see that, and there's no resolution to it. It's only in the film so that Shaq can have a couple of stay-in-school-type lines. Oh, yeah. Well, so he can also go be like, Hey, gangs, you better not be all ga- gangy in my neighborhood. Quit ganging around here, being all gangly. Not, not near my nephew or cousin or whatever. It's, it's ill-defined, that's for sure. <laughs> so... Anyway, he basically comes back to town and gets a job at a steel mill locally, of course, because he has to, because he's John Henry Irons. That's fine. He gets a job at a steel mill. One thing about the steel mill worthy of note is that it appears to have three (laughs) employees. There's Shaq, who, you know, wears a tank top and carries heavy loads of things. And then there are fly girls. There are two fly girls walking around with clipboards. I just, every time they would walk in the background, I was like, you look like you're about to come by with, like, the round card for an MMA fight rather than working at a steel mill. Because you're wearing, like, a tank top and booty shorts in a steel mill. Yeah, like, what look, the fuck are you doing? They're both wearing helmets, I guess. But otherwise, every time they walked on in the background, I was like, oh, sh- sweet. Keenan Ivory Wayans is going to come in and make fun of Shaquille O'Neal. This is, <laughs> this is going to be fantastic. I can't wait for this. I hope we get a homie don't play that joke, which, by the way, we do. We 100% <laughs> do a, get an I don't play that. Yeah. I'm like, man, what the hell is going on right now? <laughs> so anyway, this steel mill populated by Shaquille O'Neal, a boss, and Fly Girls. Which... I mean, honestly, if you're going to work in a steel mill, work at the one with fly girls. Yeah, if you can. I mean, they're going to walk around and giggle about how hot you are. That's all they seem to do. In the, that's like their job in the steel mill. Oh, well, yeah. It's it's once again one of those things where you have your super I-can't-do-anything-wrong hero, and everyone's like, oh, he's so wonderful, and anyone who meets him is either going to be afraid of him or think he's amazing. I, I've heard this... Story. It's a a legendary a legend story I've heard about the making of uh, Crocodile Dundee two mm-hmm. that Paul Hogan had a real big hand in the writing and creation of his own movie. Right? And, oh and yeah, I've heard that Paul Hogan has a real big hand. <laughs> Just one though. He's Just like one. A, he's like a fiddler crab. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, legend over. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the story. No, it, apparently there was the the writers wanted to put in a scene where he walked into a gay bar and uh, you know while he. Didn't, you know, he, he of course can't be gay. He also was written as not understanding what a gay bar is, but just having a great time and meeting all the gay guys in there and being like, oh, I kind of like you fellas and whatever. It's, you know, just, this, oh, is yeah. a, this is a no, fun place. That, and that's a scene where you're like, oh, it's a guy who doesn't understand that it's gay bar, but he's like, oh, I like you guys. You're all right. Yeah. There's a good time in here. And right. you're like, okay, fine. But he would not let them write it because he was like, I wouldn't go into a gay bar. There's gay guys in there. Why not some kind of poofta? Why isn't that a bar full of hot girls and all the girls think I'm hot in the hot girl bar? <laughs> and they were like, well, because that's not a joke. And he was like, yeah, put a bar in there, or a scene in there where I go at a bar and it's all hot girls and they think I'm hot. There you go. <laughs> that's the kind of thing that you get in this movie where it's like, what do we got? Well, we need to make it, we need to give Shaq a job. Okay. Buy some, ra- or get some random factory and put steel mill stuff, like, Sparsely around. around, sparsely scattered around, instead of, you know, looking like an actual steel mill, which are the nastiest places in the world. Yeah. And then put fly girls in there. We're good. There you go. <laughs> Done. Whatever. Uh. Try and keep them from dancing, because that'll give it away. <laughs> uh. See them with a broom trying to chase out Jennifer Lopez. Like, nope, nope, get out of here, Jennifer Lopez. We have enough fly girls. Get on about here. <laughs> She's like, I'll be famous later, and you'll regret this. Oh, you... <laughs> Okay, so then we get the scene of the bad guy setting up. Judd Nelson. Yeah, Judd Nelson, who gets dishonorably discharged from the army because he done fucked up. Right. And so he blames uh, John Henry Irons for that because he testifies against him in court. Yeah, yeah. Which, okay, but yeah, even if he didn't, you still done fucked up, so... Honestly, what what's the possible situation where not getting testified... I mean, he... John Henry Irons could have been like, I won't even testify, because I don't need to, because you clearly did it in full view of, like, your own superior officer and a bunch of other people, and it was a weapons test, so there's a camera and there's sensors. I don't need to say shit. You fucking dug your own grave, buddy. Yeah, he could have done nothing and still been uh discharged, but he blames Shaq. So yeah. great. So anyway, he comes to Shaq's town, not necessarily to get Shaq, but just because apparently 
that one portion of Los Angeles is the only place that's worth it to try and sell super weapons. Yeah, so he's like, oh, I've got some contact who is a guy who sells arcade machines, With- but I know that instead of just selling that and being legitimate businessman, he puts illegal weapons in the cabinets in order to sell them. This is the, That's got to be the dumbest thing about the Judd Nelson plot, is that the villain at the start of this has this game, this system going where he sells arcade cabinets with AK, like one AK-47 taped to the inside of them. Oh, yeah. And then I guess they go to arcades where people walk into the mall and open up the arcade cabinet and take the AK-47 out and, I guess, just leave? I guess. I, I, I don't mean, even... I don't understand how... He, apparently, it's to get to the gangs. Yeah. But even if, assuming it's not in a mall, let's just say you've got, like, a family fun center somewhere. Sure. And... How- they're going to deliver these cabinets. You'd think that whoever is owning the Family Fun Center would be like, yeah, the truck came in and then a bunch of gang members showed up and opened up all of my arcade games, took out guns, and left. Okay, but how often... This is the other thing that gets me. How often do you see anyone get more than one arcade game? Like, when you're opening an arcade, yes, you probably get, like, 20 arcade games so you can open the arcade. After that, when one of them breaks, you get a new one. Every once in a while, a really cool one comes out, you get a new one, you get rid of an old one. That's, like, one AK-47 a month, maybe every two months. It's it's like having a fisherman business where you go out and you catch one fish and you come back and you sell that fish. It is too slow. (laughs) Yeah, it's real weird to me. And the way they set up, and it shows him, like, doing all of this business, I go, who are you... Who are you selling to? Because you are moving a ton of these cabinets, but it's not like... It's 1997. The arcade industry was already dying. Yeah, it's not like this is going to go into your city. I could understand if you go, oh yeah, we ship nationwide to wherever, you know, whoever needs a cabinet, we sell, sell them off. But it's set up to be, oh yeah, this is what I do, but I give guns to local gangs. Yeah, well... Judd Nelson immediately starts a program of using local gangs as a testing center for super guns. Because, apparently, in all their years in the army together, they managed to invent the Roman candle gun and the gun that shoots a sonic blast. Because that's all we see all the way through the movie, is those two types of guns. Yep, that is it. Well, that's the two that were tested, and apparently it's the two he could get the designs to, sort of? Yeah, well, because I guess he was uh, savvy enough to copy off of Sparks and John Henry Irons homework so we could get those two types of guns so anyway he talks this evil arcade owner who who sells super guns or sells regular guns into also selling super guns and judd nelson just starts up his policy of being kind of like just an asshole for no reason in addition to being a villain well yeah he's like oh okay i'm gonna do this and then he burns a guy's face burns a guy's like eye out and then murders someone that i think is Probably like the VP. Yeah, he murders like the chairman of the board or something. Who knows? She's some sort of person who works there. But she's like, I don't like you because one, you're an asshole. And two, we are funding a sh- funneling a shitload of money into you making these guns. And all I have seen it do so far is burn someone's eye out. Yeah, so he somehow rigs an elevator to kill her and two random people that are also in an elevator. We don't see him how he sets it up, but it's like he put a bomb on the elevator. Well, he's like, oh, and then there. he presses a button and it does the whole, like, it crashes to the ground. Yeah, which, again, it, that would imply that Judd Nelson managed to get into the elevator, get above the elevator, set a bomb up up there, come back down, and then have that all set up just in case anyone was an asshole to him in a situation where he could get them alone in an elevator, or nearly alone. Yeah, and even then... Right next to him is the like the president of the company's bodyguard, yeah. who we have seen oh, yeah, has no problem shoot him. being like, "Oh, I'm gonna fucking kill you if you do anything." Yeah, and then we see Judd Nelson like pull out a device, push a button, which then causes the elevator to crash and kill this lady. The other guy is standing right next to him, and this is intimidating to him somehow. Yeah, he's scared by this. Instead of immediately killing Judd Nelson, be like, "What the fuck? I'm gonna fucking shoot you now!" Oh yeah, because at that point you go, "Oh, he's completely willing to kill off anyone in charge here," which means that he'll probably be fine with killing off me or my boss, Mister Big, who is a comically short man with for such a name. Or her, her, her. Ah. So yeah, but instead he's like, "Oh no, you you pressed a button and you have no visible weapons, and I should probably just snap your neck." But Oh, I'll do whatever you say. And that's uh, the end of that setup. Great. Okay, and then he funnels a bunch of guns into local gangs. And local gangs commit a robbery. Apparently, this is great, they try to commit a robbery completely by car. Like, they they pull up in a car, and they stick one gun out a window and use it to blow up a bank. And then they stick another gun out a window and use it to cut a hole in the bank vault. 
Yeah, and then, I mean, they do have to run out and grab the money, but you're like, come on, guys, don't just sit in your car while you're shooting a wall. <laughs> it is not as terrifying as you would, imp- as the uh, filmmakers would have you believe, is that, or would hope you would believe. They're like, look at this, these guys can rob a bank from their car, and I'm like, yeah, but lazy people do things from their car. <laughs> <laughs> That's not that impressive. That's like saying, these people can get a hamburger from their car. <laughs> well, you know. I always am impressed by that. <laughs> I can still do it. My God, man. I mean, it's like the hunter thing. You know, they always make fun of hunters who hunt from the car. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, what did you do? Well, I was in the Jeep and I drove by and shot a guy with a huge rifle. I rolled oh. down my window and shot a deer. Good job. I'm, you I'm, are an amazing hunter. I'm Good job, hunter. Craven. I, I'm a hunt man. I, I hunt. But that's that's the impression you get by watching this gang use guns from a car to rob a bank. And then we, we establish... Well, uh, Sha- Shaquille O'Neal is then like, oh my god, I know those weapons. Those are the weapons oh, we yeah, tested. Oh yeah, he chases them. He's like, hey, let me chase after you in a ridiculously way too long chase scene. <laughs> it's hilarious. He that chased- just keeps going. He's like, all right, I'm going to get this this random gang member. I'm going to chase you. 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 Okay, we're in a train yard. After I've already been chasing you for like two and a half minutes. At this point, he's already vaulted no less than five fences. Yeah, or ripped the gate off of a fence for one of them. He's like, I need to establish that I'm a huge dude. And what better way than to just rip a gate off of a fence instead of like flicking it open and then opening it? Right, yeah, that's, that's again, a Hulk Hogan parallel. There's so many of them. Yeah, so then he chases him into a train yard in the funniest sequence ever. Oh, where yeah. Where it's just like... Guys falling on train tracks and be like, oh no, a train's coming! But it's a train switching station, so they're all going at like three miles an hour. Yeah, they're going the speed of like a motorized wheelchair. <laughs> and, and the whole time, there's like a guy falls and there's a, chain, a, a train like 50 feet from him. And he's like, oh, a train, oh, oh, oh Shaquille O'Neal, I've got I've got you to come help me. There's no way I could get out of here in time. I, can only, I only have to move my head slightly. I'm not even across the tracks. <laughs> And then Shaquille chases this kid across, I, I shit you not, like 27 lines of, or sets of rails. Oh yeah, I have no idea where this switching station is, but it is apparently the nexus of all trains. You know exactly where it is, it's in South LA. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way there's that many train switching stations in one section of LA that are all active all the time. It's like a game of fucking Frogger. Yeah, so he's just running and is like, oh I got, oh no, there's two trains coming, I've got to jump through these. I'm going to have to jump into this thing and then jump onto this train. And you're like, man, this is straight video games. It's it's 2 in the morning. There are 80 trains going in, in, in 15 <laughs> different directions across this massive switching station in the middle of a suburban neighborhood. Uh, and he finally catches this guy and is like, hey, you don't, don't, where'd you get this gun? Where, where, where's the gun? Where'd you get the gun? And the punk who has been chased and thrown against a wall by a dude who's like seven and a half feet tall is like, Hey, screw you, buddy. I ain't telling you shit. And then, another guy, who apparently has been following them across the Frogger-style megatrain yard, and the many, many fences, and the chunks of extremely low-rent parkour, just pops up from around a corner and shoots Shaquille O'Neal square in the back with one of those plasma tank-melting super weapons, which causes Shaq to fall down. Yeah, he falls down and is like, ow. (laughs) We don't see him go to the hospital... He has no burns. He's not even unconscious for a minute. No, he just falls down. The two of them get away, and he's like, oh, ow. Like, really? That's your super weapon? My super weapon hits a guy, and he's like, man, that smarted. You invented a paintball gun. Can you imagine Judd Nelson trying to sell that thing to, like, international arms dealers? Like, look, guys, forget about the gun, which can shoot a bullet through someone, causing them to die. I have here... The super gun, which can shoot a, a huge bright Roman candle at someone, causing them to fall down. They'll be uncomfortable. <laughs> they will be momentarily inconvenienced. They'll L- be real sad about that. Listen up, skinheads. If you're really mad about black people and want to see them fall down, I've invented the gun for you. Because <laughs> that's what he tries to sell it to, is Nazis. Oh yeah, he's like, let me call up Nazis and like... Like the gorilla. Belgian Congo. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we're, we're way out from there. But the... The fact that this gun is just the worst gun that's ever existed. Okay, fine. Sure, whatever. <laughs> Great. But this is when he decides that the only rational thing to do, after calling up the army and being like, Hey, you know those guns that are top secret and that uh 
we we definitely were trying to make and then it got fucked up. Yeah, some gangs around here have them. And the general is just, no, nah, that's not true. That's stupid. What? I don't even care. You're, you're dumb. I don't care. Whatever. Fuck it. This, like, you general... know that there are only three people that could know about these weapons and do that. There are three engineers. There's me. I'm calling you to tell you about this. There's Sparks, who is still in a, like, VA hospital with PTSD. Yeah, in St. Louis. And then Louis. there's Judd Nelson, who has... Like, the know-how and the anger to sell them. Yeah. Do you think maybe we should go after him? Nah, that's fine. Nah, whatever. I gotta drive a Jeep around in a back lot. Wee. <laughs> I mean, again, you're absolutely right. All three of them left the army at the same time, and all of a sudden the weapons they designed are on the street. One of them is calling them in. One of them is in the hospital. Open the door, General! What the <laughs> fuck are you doing? You think Shaq could be at least be like, look, I did some deductive reasoning, and I know that you're a dumbass, and that we need to catch Judd Nelson. Could you tell me where he is? But yeah. none of that. And you you know that if you're like, oh yeah, you were a an engineer for the army on top secret weaponry, you'd think maybe maybe they'd keep tabs on you. Yeah, just could, maybe, especially if you got dishonorably discharged. You're like, oh, you're a guy who is clearly insane and knows a bunch of our secrets. Maybe maybe we'll have a guy watch you. What? Oh my god. So he decides that the only way he can properly stop these gangs from having these super weapons is to first go to a local pool hall and threaten some random gang members in the dumbest Joel Schumachery like penguin gang outfits in the world, and then two to build himself a power suit in a junkyard. Yeah, which he needs Sparks to do, so he has to go visit Sparks. And this is the most offensive part of this movie by a mile. He goes to find Sparks, <laughs> who is in a St. Louis hospital, yeah, and he's like. Hey Sparks, I need your help. I'm like building a mech suit and I'm going to fight crime or whatever. And we're going to we're going to stop the guys have our guns, our guns that we made that fucked you up. Yeah, you remember those guns? Those guns that probably still give you horrible nightmares? Yeah. Come well, with me. Uh, no. come with me. And she's like, "No, I don't want to." No, I I can't. I still have nightmares. I have horrible PTSD. I have not come to terms with being in a wheelchair, let alone the horrible accident I was in. I'm not especially a huge fan of seeing you. I definitely don't want to get anywhere near anywhere near John Nelson. No, I am not interested. And he's like, well, what are you going to do? Just look out the damn window. And, and then he opens the window, which is supposed to be a huge dramatic sequence of the window. Because they show it from the outside and the inside and there's a crash noise. But he just opens the window. Oh, yeah. It's supposed to be one of those things where in these hospitals, you can't open the window. Because that way, like... No one can, I don't know, suicide themselves out. It's the big Indian in, in uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest throwing yeah, a water fountain it, through the window. It's chief. Except he just opens the window. Yeah, he just walks up to it, pushes the window open, and it's supposed to be, again, one of those unopenable windows, but usually those are one giant pane of glass. Right. In this whereas case, this is an actual window that is meant to swing open. <laughs> so it swings open. And then he picks up her wheelchair and marches out of the building with her. While she's going, no, put, me down, put me down, I don't want to go, and you're like... Oh, okay, what is happening here? And he, fucking Shaquille O'Neal is just like, I know better than you, you're gonna come with me. We're going to LA from St. Louis. This is a kidnapping. Yeah, he straight up just kidnaps this person out of the hospital. No one in the hospital says anything. Well, yeah, because they're all, everyone else in the hospital is crazy. They did the stand, again, with the central casting thing in this movie, everyone else in the hospital is just like grabbing at invisible butterflies and spinning in place. And Yeah, but even like the nurses. I know, no one like, tries to stop nope, him. That's fine, no, that's we right. see this all, all the that, time. That's exactly what happens. If you want someone in a wheelchair, you just pick them up and take them where you want. That's what the, that's the whole point of wheelchairs. Look, it's the bench press rule. If you can pick up one of our patients, you can leave with them. <laughs> That's the rule. We didn't make it up. <laughs> That's why there's wheels on their chairs. It's not so they can move around if they want to. It's because wheels are easy to grab and lift. <laughs> we put people in wheelchairs because it adds weight. That way it's harder if you want to take them. If, but if you can lift them up, they're yours. Yeah, don't worry if they try and tell you no or anything. That's just the rules. It's the rules. That's how it works. It's just so weird because in a movie, which, again, we were talking about how, uh, you know, you can't let John Henry Irons or Shaquille O'Neal do anything wrong. He has to be the good guy all the way, like the best possible person all the way through the movie. And then they do something that's so run. I mean, in 1997, that still ran contrary to how you treat disabled people. Yeah, but it was treated as, oh no, he's doing the right thing. The movie still thinks John Henry Irons has done nothing wrong and knows exactly what he's about. And apparently the cure for PTSD is to get over yourself and just go back into the world. <laughs> 
Thanks, movie. It's to go live in a junkyard with Shaft. That's that's the solution. <laughs> Man, if I could go live in a junkyard with Shaft, I no, I wouldn't do that. That would be awful. I'd be living the, in a junkyard. Because that's the next scene. He brings her to a junkyard, and he shows her that they have converted one bathroom by putting a handrail on the wall. And he's like, see? It's perfect. You can live here. Look, everything's great. Also, Shaft, the guy who runs our junkyard, he found, a, like, a supercomputer... And someone threw it away for well, no reason. That was a weirdly threatening scene where he was like, it fell off the back of a truck. A lot of interesting things fall off the back of trucks. Like, He's like, are you, are you a thief? Is that what's happening right now? Are you, a, is, is this organized crime? I don't what's, know what's happening. Why did you bring me to a junkyard? My wheels won't work here. <laughs> it's all dirt and junk on the ground. Uh, Except it isn't, because the junkyard doesn't have any junk in it. It's all already been turned into dumb statues. Oh, it's all just junk sculptures, which... Yeah. Okay, great, fine. That's what the junkyard owners do. I mean, I've seen three movies with junkyards in them, and if there's one thing I've learned, you get a dog, you start building sculptures. Oh, yeah. If you work at a junkyard, you are a welder that loves dogs, and you make sculptures. That's what happens. That's that's the only reason anyone gets into the junk industry. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so she gets talked into helping him build a metal suit so we get a whole long montage scene of this suit being constructed yep which is just hey i i took some metal and i i hit it now i i can wear it oh the amount of time we we watch shack with an anvil and a hammer hitting cold pieces of of already finished stainless steel oh yeah it's not like oh i i've gotten this red hot now i need to mold it into a shape it's just what is this? It's a round piece of metal that I am hitting with a hammer. I found a stop sign and I banged it with a hammer. Also... I'm helping! Also, Shaft said I could hammer these nails into this board. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm a carpenter now, too. <laughs> I'm also... I'm also gonna be wood man. <laughs> oh, sweet. I'm gonna get your shield. <laughs> and then not never use it, because it's bad. Yeah, it's the worst. You, you No one uses that leaf shield. That was awful. It, if it let you shoot regular bullets while you had the shield up, it'd be okay. No, but you just get the shield that spins around you, and then you can shoot the entire shield at someone. Oh, it's like, so dumb. Oh, fuck yeah, you, it, Woodman. Oh, fucking Woodman. And then every guy after Woodman with the same power as Woodman. Fucking Skullman. Who were you trying to kid? You just make a little shield of skulls. It's the leaf shield again. <laughs> fuck you, Skullman. Okay, moving on. Uh, <laughs> so he builds this shack suit, and then, yeah, he has a big hammer. The hammer's bare. The first thing he knows about the hammer is that the shaft of the hammer... Far too thick. Like, it's almost as thick as the, the Oh, yeah, the head and of, of course, this is where we get this, the we shaft would. joke. Yeah, I especially like the shaft. There you go, there's the joke. Womp womp. Dun, Great. Dun, dun. Yeah, and so we get that I like the shaft joke. Thank you, Roundtree. Yeah, if it was anyone but Roundtree, it would have been a rad gay joke instead. <laughs> yeah, but no, it was just a joke about shaft. Yeah. And then the top of it, the actual hammer bit, is so comically tiny <laughs> compared teensy. to it. It's like they just got one off of an actual sledgehammer and just screwed it onto the top of this three-foot lump of, like, pipe. And they're like, that looks like a hammer. No, it doesn't. But you know what? It doesn't matter, because the first thing he's going to do with it is pop a handle out of the side of it and use it as a rifle for the rest of the movie. Yeah, because now his hammer is both of these experimental guns, which is the only thing that they know how to do. <laughs> Yep. In one gun. So now he has a gun that shoots the exact same crap as the villains. So now like, he can bottle rocket or sonic. Which he, And then he's like, that's good enough. The big thing that the villains had was that they had these guns. I will also have one of these guns, and then I'll be able to clean up all these villains who have lots of these guns. Yeah, and I'll wear a steel suit because... That won't weigh, like, 500 pounds and make it so I can't walk around. Also, the one of these two guns doesn't do anything but melt tanks. So it's it's fine if I just make a suit out of scrap iron and wear that around. Yeah, and we, there is no point where we see that it is actually a powered exosuit. Like, it, this is straight up him just wearing plates of metal. Oh, yeah, we I mean, we know it has an electromagnet in it, because we have that one scene where he turns it on and, and magnets everything into him. Yeah, but even then, it's just... Oh, I use my hammer as an electromagnet. It's yeah. not the suit. He uses the hammer to do no, it. No, no, it is the suit. It just immediately pulls the hammer into him because it's also made of metal. <laughs> we know this because later on in the film, he tricks he tricks Judd Nelson into turning on the electromagnet, which causes the hammer to fly across the room so we can have it. <laughs> so, yeah, the suit has an electromagnet in it. Also, oh, yeah, he just turns it on using the hammer. That's right. He also has a camera in the suit so that uh, we can... The people back at the junkyard can watch him walk around and crack dumb jokes. Yeah, and he has just a little earpiece. Yeah. So, so they, they can hear him. They can talk to him. And for a couple of jokes where he looks like he's talking to himself. Yeah. So anyway, he goes off to foil some crime in this thing, and he stops some gang members by... Oh, this is great, because they, again, they have those super weapons, and they just shoot him, and it starts up... Remember when we watched that that 
that Super Sentai movie. I remember what the hell it was called, but that movie with the Japanese robot. Yeah, the uh, Hakaider. Hakaider. And how boring it was, because there's you realize right away that Hakaider is bulletproof, and all the enemies think that shooting him is the way to go. Yep. That's what this movie is, starting now and moving forward. These guys keep shooting bottle rockets at him. And nothing matters. And, and it's, they just keep plinking off him, and he keeps going, uh, 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 with a little finger gesture. And, and then he hit, and then he shoots them back with the same weapon and they fall down. Yeah. And then, you know, he uses the electromagnet to take all of their guns. And he's like, Oh, now you got no guns. Great. Now I win. Yeah. That's, that's basically the rest of this is <laughs> the fucking thing that he foils is like a purse snatching. Yeah. Like, really? You have, well, well, if you think about it, supposed that's... to be super weapons. Yeah. And you're a gang and you're like, okay, what do we have as a gang? We've got guns that are. I mean, in the narrative of the movie, if not the reality of it, super weapons. Yeah. What are we going to do with those? Oh, I know. We'll find two old people and rob them. Well, you're conflating two events, because it's actually a central casting white dude with a knife that robs the two people, and he oh, gets, yeah. gets beaten up by steel, and then he goes off to foil a random car full of random gang members, and they're the ones with the super guns. Ah, oh, yes. Yes. So anyway, he stops them. Uh, comically, he ends up in jail somehow. And Well, yeah, because... He manages to escape capture because they're going to chase after him. And he's like, oh, well, I've got a hell Yeah, the yeah. police are coming after him because reasons, I guess. Whatever. Uh, they well, don't care. He's using the same weapon that the gangs are. So I guess they don't come after him. Perfectly reasonable to stop a giant guy clanking around your, your, your uh, city in a powered suit of armor with a gun. Also, let me just say, we said in the beginning that the reason he made the sonic weapon was he was like, oh, this is a way to just knock people out. Because they'll get hit by a sonic pulse and they'll fall unconscious for an hour or two and they won't die. He made this weapon for this express purpose so that he could take out soldiers without killing them. Never once in the entire film does he do this. No, he, instead, that wep- he, what he should have said is, I invented this sonic gun to blow holes in walls. I, u- I invented this sonic gun to shoot cars and make them fly around. Yeah, and, and uh, to blow holes in walls... And one villain uses it once to blow up a helicopter. And put holes in teeth. Yeah, yeah. He, he's the cavity creep. Yeah. Uh, any, oh God, we gotta get through to the end of this thing, cause we're, we're, we're dragging on. He gets in jail. They use fake voice recognition software to call in and pretend to be a senator to get him out of jail. Judd Nelson hosts a buy for his super weapons. So a whole bunch of random villains from the middle of uh, random other countries show up to buy the weapons. Shaq shows up. Which but- let me also just say there. The, he puts out the invitation online and it's like, oh yeah, you're not going to find out where the buy is going to be until like an hour before it happens. Except he has invited people from around the world, but they have no idea where it's going to be. Yeah, no shit. There are people in the Congo who show up at this thing in an hour. Yeah. And so he gets the thing. He's like, oh, it's going to be at this warehouse. And he's like, okay, great. I am in the city already. I'll go there. But he is the last person to arrive. Whereas other people who had no idea where it was going to be just there. Right. Uh, let's see. The, him and Judd Nelson have the world's stupidest fight, which again, does not feature the hammer being used as a hammer. Just rifles. Uh, there is a scene where he gets stuck in an elevator with a grenade, and he has to three-point shoot the, the grenade out of the, the elevator. Well, it's not the elevator, it's, it's like some a, room. It's like some room with a little hole in a chain-link fence up high, so he has to oh, three-point yeah. shoot the... Which, finally, like, his little nephew, who... He, uh, Judd Nelson had kidnapped Sparks and his nephew. Yeah. And so his nephew has to give him like, oh, look, all you need to do is just bend at the knees and follow through and you'll be able to shoot it. Oh, great. This is the third time. Third joke. We've gotten a, I can't shoot free throws. We skipped one. Yeah. Yeah. We also get, uh, Sparks. Sparks's wheelchair. wheelchair. (laughs) Who's like, oh, I put those Sonic and bottle rocket guns on my wheelchair so I can spin around and shoot at people. I hit. Nothing. And then I am awful. Oh yeah, she shows up and spins around in a circle, firing useless blasts of sonic energy and Roman candles all over the place. And there are gangs here with for reals actual guns that could shoot people. And they're like, oh no, someone's doing stuff. Instead of shooting her, let's just run. I know. I, I feel like they felt sorry for her. Like she pops up in this bright pink wheelchair that has like knee pads and stuff all over it. It looks like she got it out of a Sears wish catalog <laughs> and, and then starts firing pointless, stupid weapons. And she's spinning around in a circle in one spot. They, they, they had to be like, Oh, Oh, look at you. Oh, You're she's, trying. She's trying. And then she acts like you have to get out of here. And she gives us yet another one of her magnetic personality style lines. When she's like, is this fast enough for you? And activates steam launchers on the back of the, the wheelchair that move her out of the room. And, 
I, I'm going to go ahead and say a brisk walking pace. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, now my motorized uh, wheelchair is moving slightly faster. I'm going like 10 miles an hour instead of three. Uh, yeah. Judd Nelson is tricked into accidentally shooting something that falls on him and he dies. Good for him. Uh, and then Shaquille O'Neal, um, John Henry Irons, go- visits his grandma, who is... Ho- oh, I'm sorry. He When he gets arrested again... All the cops like him now, so they won't pick him out of a lineup. No, that was before. Okay, that was before. Yeah. Anyway, that happens. Anyway, it all ends with him going to visit his grandma's brand new soul food slash haute cuisine restaurant, which appears to be in a front yard. Yeah, it is the same, uh, like, back lot that they use to show this is the neighborhood. Yeah. They just took one of those storefronts and went... It wasn't uh, even a storefront. It was one of the houses. Yeah, it's like just... Picket okay, fence and shit. here we go. You, yeah. We turned this house that was a house in your neighborhood into this restaurant All and just put restaurant. tables outside. Yeah, and then they have a couple of hoo-ha jokes and then it ends with one of the other, the, the second or third most offensive use of someone in a wheelchair when she reveals that she has rebuilt her wheelchair to allow her to stand up like a normal. <laughs> where she goes like, watch this, Shaq, and then she slowly, awkwardly stands up in the wheelchair. <laughs> and, and the funny thing was, you think when you're watching this that you're they're setting up for the kiss because she's gonna be able to rise herself up two seven foot tall yeah, and be so, like, look, this is the reason I made this like weird cherry picker extension to my wheelchairs so that I could get to your height, right? And 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 Shaq responds by giving her a friendly hug. He's like, oh, look at you. Oh, anyway, cute. back to the friend zone with you. <laughs> look. All I need out of you is that you live in my junkyard and you do whatever I tell you. <laughs> also, earlier in the film when I see you fall out of your wheelchair, I just watch till you f- shove yourself back in there. Oh my god. There, that scene where she falls out of the wheelchair and is like struggling to get up and get back into it. And her doing that is just really long and awkward. But Shaq and Roundtree or just sitting there watching. Crossed arms and big smiles. Like, ah, look at her. Look at her struggling to get back into that chair. She's going to learn a valuable lesson. As a person who has full independent use of all of my limbs, I'm the expert on whether or not I should at least offer help. Yeah. You know, you could go, hey, do you need a hand? She's like, no, fuck off. You go, okay. But but when you see someone crying on the floor and they clearly can't get back up into their wheelchair, it's lesson time. Yeah, it's time for them to learn a valuable lesson about doing things for yourself. Oh my god. Ugh. So, yeah, that's the movie. Most of our predictions are true. We never got a dunk scene, which is sad. No, there was no dunk scene, but there were three different can't-make-free-throw jokes. Yeah, so we did get a lot of that, but no dunking. So, I thought for sure we were going to get a, like... Shaq does a break the backboard thing, but meh. And again, the same thing with the laughs. I was saying that this was going to be dire and totally unfunny. I, I don't think I ever, I don't even smiled briefly. No, there's nothing in this movie that is, honestly, everything falls flat. The jokes are terrible. The action is non-existent because all of the, oh, we're shooting our super guns is just bottle rockets go out and no one cares. We've already seen a man take one full on in the back. And nothing happens, so there's no danger, there's no tension. Yeah, and you get that sort of Shaq can't do his own stunts thing, so most of his scenes involve him either jumping, vaulting over very low fences, pretending to lift heavy things, or standing there while stuff doesn't happen to him. Oh yeah, there's just, most of the time it's, well, we have to show that Shaq's real strong, so he'll do a real strong thing. Yeah, that's and that's it. I mean, I get the impression, you know, he was in the middle of his career at this point, it's not like they were going to let him do stunts. No. And it's not like seven foot six stuntmans are easy to find. Yeah, so I understand that. It's just it's boring. That's the reason why you would have a full metal outfit is then you could have someone be a stuntman for you. Yeah, well, they don't do a full metal outfit. They do that fucking mask. Yeah, which is the only damage he ever takes is oh yeah, like he a gets scrape a, on the chin. He gets a cut on the chin, and, and the, well, the funny thing about him getting the cut on the chin is. That should have been the catalyst for him to be like, you know what, full face mask, because that's what fucking Steel wears in the comics. Nope. No, let's not do that. That would be stupid. Then people couldn't see my famous actor face. Ugh, hate you so much. That's why I love that Judge Dredd movie. So that new one? Yeah. He didn't take the helmet off once? No, that's the point. Judge Dredd doesn't take his helmet off. He doesn't take his helmet off. Great. God bless you, Carl Urban. God bless you and your perfect frowny face. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was so well done. (laughs) Even the Deadpool movie. 
where I'm used to Deadpool like not taking his fucking mask off. That's the thing with Deadpool is he doesn't take the mask off that often. No, because he's ugly and he's, he's like, I don't want to take my mask it's off. Funny, it's more fun for him if he doesn't. Even in that movie, he has to constantly be like, oh, here comes half my mask. Oh, take my whole mask off. Goes right back on. Well, the thing with that movie is he didn't really need to do that because we had the flashbacks. Right. I, I'm, I'm curious to see if in the sequel they don't bother. But anyway. Anyway. So that was the movie. That was our predictions. Time for rating. We do it. One to five, each of us. That gives us our aggregate score out of ten. Do you want to do your favorites and least favorites? No, fuck this movie. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, fine. Do you <laughs> want to say what your favorite thing in this was? Oh, shoot. No, I don't because I don't have a favorite thing. Of uh, course you don't. It was it was awful. No, it was just boring and stupid. I think my favorite thing in this entire movie was the impetus to look up Batman Forever, the arcade game, and see there what that go. was all about. Batman Forever, the arcade game existing. Best thing in this movie for you? Yeah. Best thing in this movie for me is probably the Fly Girls. Yeah, the Fly Girls are pretty great. So, was, I was I was way more... That got an actual laugh out of me, whereas none of the jokes did. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, Fly Girls! <laughs> yeah. Worst and, thing in this movie, of course, was the treatment of people in wheelchairs. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I'll go ahead and say, instead of just wheelchairs, I'll, I'll say the way it treats PTSD as a Thing you just get over by someone telling you to get over it. Yeah, so there you go. Anything involving Sparks was just unpleasant. It was the worst character to deal with. Not that Sparks was a bad character, which she was, well, but that a... everything around her was also awful. Yeah, she was just a low-rent oracle. Like, yeah. they, they, was, they used the oracle setup almost exactly, and then instead she's just terrible. Yep. So, anyway, that's that's what that was. So there you go. Favorite and least favorite, that was easy. Okay, so what do you give this score... One to five, what do you got? I gotta give this thing a one. I didn't, I didn't really smile, I didn't really frown, I just sort of dumbly watched it. I felt, it was almost like I was just at work. And I was just like, well, gotta get through this, this is an hour and forty minutes and I'm gonna have to watch every one of them. Yep. <laughs> so there you go, it gets a one from me because it was just workmanlike. Yeah, I'll give it a one. I'll, uh, basically the only reason it gets a one instead of a point five for me is the fact that they were able to do a black superhero movie that soon after being introduced because steel as a character was only introduced like three or four years earlier oh yeah we were talking about that that he might be the fastest uh turnaround from from introduction to movie yeah because normally i mean even with the relatively recent superheroes like wolverine well even with like uh, I think the only other one that was fairly recent at that point was spawn who got the movie and that was still like Maybe eight or nine years. Yeah, I I think that record's probably been beaten by now because because Mark Millar could take a shit and someone would turn it into a movie. <laughs> so I feel like I feel like Kick Ass was probably probably one of the faster ones at this point. Yeah. So, but yeah, for that point that time time period, having Steel go from uh, we said I think it was three years. Yeah. From when he was first introduced in the Death of Superman arc to when he got his own movie, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. No, I was I was very impressed by that and the fact that you had a like a black lead, you had. Someone in a wheelchair, you had all of these things that were very outside sort of the norm. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's interesting that you would do that in a major motion picture. Although the wheelchair thing was played for so much pathos. Like, they tried to drag so much out of that wheelchair. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, she just became wheelchair lady. It was oh, like, yeah, it's not like they did it well. No, I mean, it was like Mac and me, or like or like if you just had a... They were like, well, I need a sidekick. I'm going to get that wheelchair kid from the Burger King Kids Club. Pretty much. Well, that was the way it felt, is it was, alright, well, we need that, and, uh, we're gonna have anyone who wants to show up, here you go, uh, here you go, you got a part in this movie, good job. Also, I think, we didn't even mention this at all, there's a cop that's introduced early in the film, like a, a lady cop, that has sort of a romantic history in the background with Shaq, and they go on one little ride along together, and then, there's a whole setup about her being, like, angry at the gangs, and she's trying to be a cop to do right, and then we just never see her again. Yeah, she disappears from the movie, it's like, Oh, we probably dated a while ago, and uh, we're doing a ride-along with Shaq and my nephew, and that's weird. Okay, and there's sort of a weird tension here, and done. Goodbye Out of forever. It's <laughs> <laughs> just what happened. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. It's a two. Yeah, a two, and that pretty much goes along with what every critic has ever said. Uh, every rating for this movie is just in the toilet, as it should be. Right. So, and there I, you go, Steel. I, I don't think we're ever going to see another Steel. I don't think it's going to happen again. I feel like this is this has killed the character pretty sufficiently. If they want to put a black robot-y character into a DC movie now, they'll use Cyborg. And they are using Cyborg, yep. so it's fine. Yeah, so we ne- this is going to be the one and only incarnation of Steel in a film. Like, literally, unless years from now they go, 
hey, we're doing the death of Superman story, like, straight up with a Metropolis kid, the Eradicator. Yeah, they'd have a hard time doing it, seeing how Doomsday is literally just the backlot bonus character in, in, uh, Batman versus Superman. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, what happens in Batman versus Superman? Oh, Doomsday's here, and he's a gray Muppet, and now he's gone. Goodbye. Yeah. He kind of looks like... He like, looks like one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from Michael Bay. He does. He looks like one of them during, like, the third pass of CGI. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, whenever they show them, they show the, the actor running around, and then they overlay a white skeleton over him, and then they overlay green lines, and then so on. Like, about four passes in, it's just a gray blob running around. That's what Doomsday looks like. Yeah. It's before they have gotten to the point where they do... Final touch-ups and coloration, yeah. and that's what he is. He was going to be Leonardo, but instead he's Doomsday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, there you go. That was our movie review for Steel. If you have a movie you want us to review, go ahead and let us know. You can go to SystemMasteryPodcast.com. We've got an entire list. You can see what's on there, make suggestions, and we'll put it on the list. We randomly determine every week what we're going to watch. We don't know what we're going to watch until we sit down. So, uh, you can go there, you can email us, systemmastery at gmail.com, you can tweet at us, System Mastery on Twitter, we are System Mastery on Facebook, you can leave us a message there, any way you want to get a hold of us, oh, do yeah, that. We're, we're System Mastery on Tumblr, if you have a long blog we need to read about Supernatural dog dicks, then that's the place to hit us up. <laughs> I, I, I like that in my head it wasn't Supernatural the show, it was just Supernatural dog dicks. Aren't they all? <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. So, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to us, even though we talk about dog dicks. And we will be back in a couple weeks with another Movie Mastery. Thank you so much for listening, and have a good week.